it elicited so much insecurity. Like it was so wildly uncomfortable for me. Everything, everything about it just was like absolutely painful. The work works. When you take the time to slow down, to self-reflect, to work on your mindset, to practice new habits and new ways of thinking, when you stick with it over the long run, the work works. I have to take all of those negative thoughts and all of that negative thinking and move it to the side and be like, what if I can do this? Welcome to The Art of Speaking Up, a podcast that helps professional women access the limitless potential that lies within them. I'm your host, Jessica Guzik, and my mission is to help you find that spark inside you that has the power to transform your career in ways you may not have thought possible. I'm so excited that you're here. And now, on to the show. Welcome to this bonus episode. I am so happy to be here talking to you, recording this bonus episode. So I want to give you a little bit of context for what this episode is because my podcast, The Art of Speaking Up, I typically publish it once a week early Tuesday morning, late Monday night, depending on what time zone you're in, where you are in the world. But this week, I have two episodes. I have an extra episode, and there are a couple reasons why, so I wanted to walk you through that and explain what this is before I dive into the episode content. So I originally dropped in to record this bonus episode because I have a special series that I'm doing both on the podcast and on my Instagram throughout the month of March. So throughout the month of March, I am doing some special content both on IG and on the podcast all around my group program, The Art of Speaking Up Academy. So for those of you who are hearing about it for the first time, who might not be familiar with my different coaching programs, The Art of Speaking Up Academy is my group program It is a small, intimate group coaching and professional development program where I support you in building confidence and becoming an effective communicator. I have now had almost 30 clients go through that program, and I have watched so many women let go of self-criticism and build genuine confidence within themselves, and I've seen the impact that it's had not just on their careers, but on their quality of lives, and so I have realized after launching this program three times and leading multiple cohorts of it that group coaching work is powerful and that the Art of Speaking Up Academy is powerful and that it is going to be a real part of my coaching offers and the way that I support my clients indefinitely into the future because after running it several times, I've really seen how powerful it it truly is. When I launched the first cohort and ran it for the first time, I had never worked with my clients in that way. They were the first to experience it. But now after running it multiple times, I have seen that I was really onto something in terms of my creation of this program. And so I wanted to create a little bit of bonus content around the Art of Speaking Up Academy for those of you who are wondering what this program is like, because one of the most common questions I get around the Art of Speaking Up Academy is like, what do we do inside the program? What is the program exactly? What can I expect? Will this help me? And I wanted to help answer some of those questions, especially if it's your first time thinking about signing up for a coaching program or a group program like this. It can be really helpful to learn more about it and really be able to envision what the experience will be like so that you can make that decision of whether you want to jump in and say yes and have that experience with me and with the cohort of other women that go through the program with you. And so throughout the month of March, I created a special segment on the podcast called Inside the Academy, where I'm taking you behind the scenes and introducing you to some of the activities and components that we do, that I do with my clients inside the Art of Speaking Up Academy, so that you can learn about it. And this segment is going to be at the very end of all of my March podcast episodes. So if you're interested in this segment, 
All you have to do is keep on listening to the podcast throughout the month of March. Make sure that you listen to each episode all the way to the end and keep on listening because that is where you'll have the opportunity to learn about the Art of Speaking Up Academy. And in addition to listening to the March episodes, which you should because they're awesome and because they will all have that bonus segment at the end teaching you about the Art of Speaking Up Academy, come follow me over on Instagram where I will also be doing a series on my Instagram. My handle is at the Art of Speaking Up called Monday Makeover. (laughs) I'm posting every Monday throughout the month of March part of a series called Monday Makeover, where I'm walking you through the makeover (laughs) that I have given to the Art of Speaking Up Academy. Because after running it multiple times, after seeing how effective it is for my clients, I realized that this program was going to become a lasting foundation within my coaching business. And so I wanted to make the program even more robust, even more valuable, even more effective. And so I've added a ton of new value and new components into the program to make it even more enriching for my clients. And so on IG in my Monday makeover series that I'll be posting inside my stories, I will be walking you through some of the components of the Art of Speaking Up Academy that have changed and evolved for future cohorts to make the program even better and even higher quality, because that is truly what I want. I want my clients inside the Art of Speaking Up Academy to have a very high quality experience. And the good news is that is the feedback that I'm consistently getting from my clients who have done the program, that it was better than they thought it would be, which puts a smile on my face. And so the takeaway for you is number one, stick around, listen to all of the podcast episodes in March, make sure you listen till the end so that you can learn about the Art of Speaking Up Academy. And number two, come follow me on Instagram and be sure to be watching my stories. You can find me on Instagram at the Art of Speaking Up and I will put all of this in the show notes. But because I'm popping on to record this announcement, I also wanted to turn this into more of a longer bonus episode because there are a lot of new people listening to this podcast. Welcome. If you found it recently, it's wonderful to have you here. I'm so glad you found it. You all will hear me talking about this in one of the March episodes that is about to come out. But The Art of Speaking Up was recently featured in the New York Times, which was an unexpected surprise for me and a huge milestone and a huge accomplishment. And one of the wonderful side effects of this podcast being in the New York Times is that there are a lot of new listeners in this community. And so I figured, let me take this bonus episode to tell you my story and tell you who I am, because so much of this podcast and so much of the work that I do comes from my own story and my own experiences and struggles and triumphs in my corporate career. And this podcast is very mission-driven and very close to my heart. And so is all of the coaching work that I do and all of the content that I create. It really has come from personal experience and my personal journey. And so I almost feel like if you find the podcast recently and you haven't been following along, you might not know as much about me and as much about my story. And so I wanted to share that with you because I think it's going to help you take in the podcast from a new lens, but I also think that it's going to help you be a lot kinder to yourself and a lot more forgiving of yourself because you will hopefully see some of yourself in my story. Specifically, you'll hopefully see some of your own struggles in my story and in my struggles. Maybe not 100%, right? Because we're all different. We all have different experiences and backgrounds and identities. But one thing that I have seen to be true across nearly every woman that I've encountered who is part of this community is that we have either struggled or are currently struggling, depending on like each person and where they are in their journey, but are struggling with feeling confident inside and feeling worthy and feeling a sense of peace in terms of who we are and whether we like ourselves. And one thing that I really want to do on this podcast, and I want to do more because I don't think I'm doing it enough, 
is to help you with that, right? And to help you just like yourself more. Because I think a lot of times we think that confidence is going to come from us like getting better and better and performing better and being more and more successful. But actually confidence comes from being kind to yourself and really liking yourself and supporting yourself and knowing how to be encouraging of yourself. And that is something that I think I can help you do through this podcast and through this bonus episode by sharing my story with you. Because when you hear stories of someone who has gone through something similar, it helps you stop beating yourself up over your own experience. And it helps you get yourself out of this really painful story that something is wrong with you and that you're the only one. Because it can be really easy to feel really isolated and alienated if you are struggling with confidence and struggling with finding your voice. So my story is a long one. It spans about a decade. It's been roughly a decade since I started my career. I graduated from grad school in 2012, right? And here we are at 2023, year 10 or 11. So I'll try to give you the high level version, but without skipping over any of the important details. But my career started back in 2012, when I graduated from Columbia Law School. I did not go to law school because I felt passionate about becoming a lawyer. Part of me thought that I might be good at being a lawyer since I'm really good with words. And I'm also quite good at being analytical and doing things that combine analytics with words. So I thought, okay, I would probably be really good in the field of law. But I didn't go to law school because I felt passionate or excited about the field of law. And that that became very apparent to me as soon as I sat my butt down in some of those law school classrooms. And my classmates around me were like raising their hands and they had read the whole case book and they were like so into it and they were sharing these contributions in class that didn't even make sense to me. And I literally felt like Elle Woods. I just, it was just so clear to me as soon as I got there, like, oh, like there's people that are really, really passionate about this and excited about this field. And being around those people really helped me see that I was not one of those people. And by the time that I had gotten to the end of law school, it had become more and more clear with every passing year of law school that I was not on the track that was right for me. And there were so many, so many signs of that. The first thing is that like I did everything that I possibly could while I was in law school to not be in law school. And I was constantly finding internships that I would do. Like I worked for free on the side while I was in law school because I had a lot of interest in the media and entertainment industry and in business. And so I did a bunch of like legal and business affairs type internships at big media and entertainment companies. I remember that I interned at Viacom in Times Square in New York City. That was super exciting. I interned for a company that owned the intellectual property rights of Elvis Presley and Muhammad Ali. And I was just really into the media space. And so I was trying to do everything I could to get out of the law school classroom. And I was constantly interning at these media companies. And then my second summer, typically your second summer in law school, you work at a law firm and you then hopefully get an offer to return full time to the law firm that you worked at. And actually, if you are in law school or have gone to law school, you might know about this, but the way it works is that those summer jobs at those law firms are kind of your pipeline in to get those full-time big law firm positions. And so there's a, there was a whole process at Columbia Law School where the law firms all come and they interview all of the Columbia students all at once to fill their summer positions. And this all happens in a hotel in New York City in Times Square. And I share this with you because these law firm interviews for these summer positions were the first time that I dipped my toe in the professional world because they were the first time I was doing any kind of like interview. And I think that's really significant for me to share with you because it elicited so much insecurity. Like it was so wildly uncomfortable for me. Everything, everything about it just was like 
absolutely painful. And if you know much about what it's like to work at a big law firm or what big law is like in New York City or just in general, big law firms are like on the spectrum of workplaces being like very traditional and very conservative and buttoned up versus like more open and progressive. Law firms are much more in the conservative side. And so I felt like I was like the L Woods, right? Like, and not even like, oh, I'm so attractive, like Reese Witherspoon, but like, oh, I'm just like the odd one out in this law school environment. So I'm like the odd one out, slightly less glamorous L Woods, like not to demean myself, but I mean, it's Reese Witherspoon, like, come on. So that's who I am going into these highly competitive, highly prestigious interviews with partners from New York City law firms who are like 55-year-old men. And I am this like quiet, shy, confused, insecure law student. I even just remember like having to go buy a suit for these interviews was horrifying. First of all, I had very little money because I was living off of my loan money for law school and suits were so expensive. So that was like stressing me out. I was like, oh my God, I have to spend like $300 on one outfit. <laughs> like what is happening? And also they're ugly. So it was like painful. I was like, I don't even want this. I don't want to wear this. This is so uncomfortable. So the whole thing was just awful. And I remember getting into these interviews. And by the way, these interviews with these law firms happen in hotel rooms. <laughs> so Columbia and these law firms partner together and they basically took over, I believe it was the Doubletree in Times Square, New York City. And all of the hotel rooms are like being stationed with these law firms. So you knock on the hotel room door and you enter the hotel room like with your little black resume portfolio, like, you know, the leather thing where you carry your papers in and you walk into the hotel room and like you sit down on the chair across from the partner and they start to interview you. I mean, I hope, I hope that you can feel my discomfort. Like, I hope that you can feel in your bones just how painful that entire experience is. I also really think that a new location is needed. I think that asking, especially asking women to do an interview in a hotel room with it's almost always a white dude who is like 30 years older than they are. I just feel like that is bad practice. It was so uncomfortable for me. And I imagine that it could have been even more uncomfortable for other women. And so that's just something that really needs to change. It's I'm like looking back and I'm like, that's crazy that they did that. And are they still doing that? Because that just feels very much like we need to evolve past that. But anyway, I really struggled in these interviews. I felt like crap. I didn't know how to talk about myself. I wasn't confident. I was super awkward. I didn't know how to connect with these 55-year-old lawyer men. I hated my suit. It was just like the whole thing was awful. And then what happened is after these interviews would happen, like they would happen all day long, and this was a multi-day event. And then at the end of the day, the law firms would call up the students who would get a call back. So if they liked that person, then they would call them and be like, oh, we really liked meeting you in the interview. We'd love to come talk to you again tomorrow. And then they would do like a second interview with that same law firm to, you know, narrow down and get to talk to them again. And so I remember at the end of the day after doing these interviews, sitting and everyone around me like their phones were all blowing up and everyone was getting phone calls and I was like looking at my law school classmates and I was like what is happening because no one was calling me and then I remember having this like pit in my stomach and like this enormous feeling of shame as I realized that everyone was getting called by these law firms because they were getting their callbacks and I just wasn't. Like no one was calling me back. I wasn't getting any second round interviews. And this was really, really painful. And it like at the time, I didn't have the tools, the confidence, the emotional resilience at all to process that, to deal with that. It was really, really difficult. And then after seeing everyone super successful around me and like seeing how poorly I was doing relative to my classmates, I had to go back for a few more days of this crap to see if I could land myself one of these roles because those summer roles are the pipeline into full-time roles at these law firms. And so I went through another couple days of interviews and I didn't get any callbacks until the very 
And so I had to like go through this long, painful process. One law firm called me back, one firm. It wasn't one of the bigger ones. It was a much smaller, lesser known firm. But I was like, thank freaking God, because I need to have a job when I get out of law school. Like whether I like this stuff or not, I need to get money coming in the door. And so I summered at this law firm and I hated it. It was horrible. It like I I won't go into it too much because it will make this episode so long, but it was just like a culture and professional mismatch in every possible way. I am just not someone who is meant to be in an environment where you're just there to like follow instructions and work super, super hard and not contribute any personality or any innovation or like any part of yourself. Like you're literally just there to be a part of this machine, keep quiet, execute, keep your head down. That is just not how I operate and not my personality. And so I worked at that law firm. And then at the end of the summer, they're supposed to call me back and be like, hey, we loved working with you. We want to hire you full time. And they called me back and they were like, unfortunately, we are not going to offer you a full time position. And I was crushed. And I specifically remember getting this phone call when I was with a law school friend who had already like succeeded in her summer internship and gotten her full-time offer. So I remember, again, like a flood of shame of like, what is wrong with me? Why can't I do this? Why is this so easy for everyone else? Why isn't this working out for me? Like, why can't I just be normal? Why can't I just be like everyone else? And I didn't know what my full-time employment was going to be because that was what it was supposed to be. And I felt incredibly embarrassed. I felt so insufficient within myself. I felt like a failure. Like I couldn't even get, like I barely scraped by to get a summer position and then I didn't even get a full-time offer. I never asked the firm for more information on why, but I suspect that me not liking it and not fitting in and like not bringing 100% of myself to that was part of the reason why. And I also really lacked confidence and I really didn't know how to bring a powerful presence into a workplace, like how to be someone who enters into a workplace and like get stuff done and makes that really big impression. And I just don't think I'm built to do that in a setting as traditional as a law firm. It's really hard for me to kind of like follow instructions and orders and follow a system if that system doesn't make sense to me and if it's not clicking for me in my mind. So that experience, like whatever shaky confidence or self-esteem I might have had, which there was not a lot of it at that point, That experience of interviewing for summer positions and then not getting a full-time position after the summer crushed me. (laughs) Like my self-confidence and self-esteem and my faith in my ability to succeed professionally was already really, really shaky because the law school environment was super competitive and I just felt like I didn't fit in. But that experience like kind of destroyed me and left me in a position where I was like, well, I need to figure out what I'm doing and it is not going to be working at a big law firm because that ship has sailed. And all along, what I had really wanted to do that summer, I didn't actually want to work at a law firm that summer. What I really wanted was to go work at McKinsey because that interview process that I told you about where all the law firms come to Times Square and interview the Columbia students. In addition to all the law firms, there were a few other employers that participated in that process, and one of them was McKinsey. McKinsey is a global business consulting company that works with like Fortune 100, like the biggest, literally the biggest companies and conglomerates in the world to offer them corporate strategy consulting. And I remember being very excited about that and thinking I would much rather do my summer position there than at one of these law firms. So I interviewed with McKinsey for a summer position and I did not get one. I got turned down. And what I realized after I heard from the law firm that I worked at that they weren't giving me a full time offer, I realized that I could retry the interview process with McKinsey, except instead of for a summer position, I could try it for a full time offer. So they were doing more interviews with Columbia students, and I could re-enter into that interview process and that interview cycle, except 
interview for a full-time position instead of for a summer position. And part of me was like, no, Jess, like, don't do that. You already interviewed. They already didn't want you, right? Like you interviewed, they got to know you, you didn't make it through. Why are you going to try again? You know, they don't want to hire you. But at the same time, a part of me was like, but this is what I wanted more than anything else. This was the thing that I actually wanted that horrible summer where I had to force myself to talk to these like law, like these lawyer men who I have no interest in and like didn't want to work for. That was the one thing I actually wanted. Like, why not go for it? And then I think a part of me was terrified because I had encountered so much rejection and failure. I think deep down inside, I felt like I cannot put myself out there again and like face the embarrassment and disappointment of rejection again after facing so much of it. But I remember at the time I was seeing a therapist in New York City and I just kind of remember like she seemed to have faith in me that I could do this. And I think like that support really helped me be like, okay, like maybe I can do this even though I feel like crap and I clearly suck at interviewing and I I just like can't figure out this whole like professional, (laughs) like professional world. She seems to think that I can. So maybe I can do it. And so I decided that I was going to interview for a full-time position at McKinsey, and I was terrified because I actually wanted it. With these law firms, I didn't want it. I just was there because I felt like that's what you had to do. That was my option. But this was a position that actually excited me. Working at McKinsey, you're solving business problems. It's analytical. It's creative. It's very, very interesting. You're seeing like some of the biggest questions and biggest problems that companies are facing. And you're right in there with them, helping them solve like these real issues not by being an expert in the field of law, but literally by being a strategic, innovative thinker. And I was like, oh my God, that sounds so cool. So I signed up to interview with them. And the first thing you have to do to qualify to interview for a full-time job is you have to take a multiple choice test. And so I went and I took this test and I got a high enough score to qualify to interview. And I remember with this interview process that I did, This was like the point where I started to learn the muscle of believing in myself. I really hadn't at all cultivated that muscle um, when I had started doing some of those interviews I mentioned to you and when I had worked at the law firm. But I just remember, you know, because when you interview for a role at McKinsey, you go through a lot of rounds. So it's not like you show up once and you interview and it's over. You are like in it and feeling anxious and uncertain and stressed for weeks at a time, possibly months. And so I think part of me knew, like, just like to get through weeks of this, you are going to have to do this differently. You are going to have to find something in you that actually believes that you can do this. And you are going to need to make sure to be able to connect with that part of you throughout this process. Otherwise, the uncertainty and the pressure is going to overwhelm you. And like I mentioned, I had a therapist in New York City at the time that really, really helped because there was a voice other than my own voice (laughs) regularly in my head. And I was very scared because I was interviewing mostly in competition with people who already had professional experience and who were finishing their business degree. And I was coming in as a lawyer, but I gave it my all and I decided that I was going to believe I was just as smart as the business school students and that even though my background was different, I decided I wasn't missing anything. I decided I knew how to do the case interviews. I decided I was creative. I decided that I would figure it out. I decided that I was like good at the math questions that they would ask you in the interviews. I kind of saw all the places where my mind wanted to sabotage me and wanted to say, you're not good at this. You're not ready. You're not as good as everyone else. You haven't had enough time to prepare. And I was like, for me to make it through this interview process and have a chance of landing this position, I have to take all of those negative thoughts and all of that negative thinking and all of that crap and move it to the side and be like, what if I can do this? And that's what I did. And I landed the role. And I wish that I could tell you that as soon as I got there, everything was amazing. But it wasn't. I did not understand how much me entering into such a high pressure professional environment would challenge me. And this is where I really struggled feeling like an imposter, feeling incompetent, feeling overwhelmed, being scared to speak in meetings. 
And it took me a very long time to get over some of those issues and insecurities. And eventually, through, I would say, over a period of like five to seven years, so a long time, eventually, I started to move past some of my insecurities and really build genuine confidence in myself in the workplace and as a leader. And through my professional journey, I evolved from really lacking confidence and really thinking something was wrong with me and coming into my professional career with this stigma of like, gosh, I was like the worst among my law school students. I was the one person whose phone was not ringing when it was time for law firm callbacks. And then I was the person who didn't get the full-time offer. Like I carried that with me and it was so heavy and it took me so long to let go of it and get to a point where I could genuinely think that, hey, I'm really, really good at what I do. And whatever company hires me next is going to be really lucky to have me. But it took me a long time to get to that point. I did therapy. I did one-on-one coaching. I invested a lot of time and a lot of money into growing myself from the inside out. And the cool thing is, even though I did invest quite a lot of time and quite a lot of money and it wasn't necessarily like easy for me to build confidence and to change and to break some of those old patterns, the beautiful thing is it did work. And I think there was a part of me that was scared that like nothing would work for me and that I would always feel stuck and that I was just kind of doomed. And I share this because I think it's really easy to get stuck in that fixed mindset and that very pessimistic mindset of like, I am struggling and it is always going to be this way. And I'm so glad that I kind of just kept trying and kept showing up and kept doing what I could do because in the end of the day, change was possible for me. Growth was possible for me. And now as a coach and as a coach who is trained and mentored by a clinical psychotherapist, I have the actual knowledge and actual understanding that from a psychological perspective change is possible for all humans, period. And I think that that's really important to keep in mind wherever you're at. There is no such thing as like you are doomed and stuck and going to be this way forever, but it has to start with you saying, I'm willing to try something different. I'm willing to try something new. I'm willing to get uncomfortable. I'm willing to believe in myself. I'm willing to be vulnerable. You have to have the willingness to be open to trying something new and to open yourself to potential disappointment and to open yourself to not knowing how things are going to turn out. I think as soon as we believe like, hey, what if I can do it? You know, maybe I can grow and can build confidence. We open ourselves to disappointment because we're like, well, what if I'm just being naive and I pursue this and I don't grow at all and then I feel even worse? And we have to be willing to go there. We have to be willing to step into the unknown in order to find out what our fullest potential is. There is no way around that. But in my experience, the work works. When you take the time to slow down, to self-reflect, to work on your mindset, to practice new habits and new ways of thinking, when you stick with it over the long run, the work works. And I share that with you just to inspire you in case you are feeling stuck. And back to my story. So I mentioned that it took a while (laughs) and a lot of coaching and a lot of therapy and a lot of things for me to build confidence and find my voice. But I will say that along that journey, like, yes, I'm telling you that I tried a bunch of things that worked. I also want to tell you that I tried a bunch of things that didn't work. And I specifically tried a bunch of like, women's circles, women's empowerment program, women this, women that. And I was all about it. I was like, I want to be a badass leader. I want to be in these rooms dedicated to helping like high performing women build amazing careers and become badass confident leaders. And so I signed up for women's workshops, women's circles, women's professional development programs. And time and time again, like I would be so disappointed by these resources. I would 
either get there and it would be like so surface level and not really useful or it would be like condescending and it'd be like oh like you know you're so broken if you feel that way or you know like i can't believe that's happening to you there wasn't a space where i felt like i could bring my full self my full humanity my full struggles my full you know like just all the things about me that that are hard and that i'm working through and that are part of my struggle i felt like I had to enter into these spaces feeling already confident, feeling already like I had it together. I had the answers. I was super confident. It was almost like these were spaces for women to just like show off how successful they already were. And there was no space or opportunity for real vulnerability. And so I would often leave those spaces feeling even worse about myself and being like, oh, I am the lone weirdo. <laughs> like, I really like, oh, I thought that it was just me. Something's wrong with me. I'm I'm the Elle Woods. I don't fit in here. But like, I know that can't be true. But then I would go into some of these women's spaces and be like, no, <laughs> it might be true. And I reached a point in my early 30s where I was doing really well in my career. I was like on a fast track to promotions. I was super successful. I had moved on from McKinsey. I spent about two years at McKinsey and then I relocated to San Francisco to work for Pandora Media. And after a few years there, I had had a lot of success and I was really feeling like I had turned my career and myself and my confidence completely around. And it occurred to me that like that hole that was missing for me, like that hole of finding spaces where I could just go and show up as myself and get mindset support and get professional development support to help with my career it occurred to me that even though I was feeling great and I was doing well in my career, that those spaces were still missing. And it occurred to me, like after going to a bunch of like women's panels, I'm sure you've been to these like where it's like a lunch thing or an afternoon thing and they bring a bunch of like successful professional women on a panel up on stage and they ask them questions about their careers. How did you get here? How did you make it happen? How did you become an executive? I, I'm I'm sure you've been to those, but like I realized I was like, you know, I've never, ever, ever, ever heard a woman on a panel like that say, you know, I really struggled and I experienced self-doubt and self-loathing and I cried some days and you know what? I figured that shit out and look at me now. And I realized that that's what I was craving. Like I wanted to see professional women who shared that, who experienced that. I didn't even know, did they experience that? Was it just me who has like regular meltdowns and whose career was built on a pile of meltdowns? Like, am I the only one or are there others out there who are like me? And I had this light bulb moment where I was like, I, I remember I was in an Uber. It was my 30th birthday. I think something about turning 30 had wheels turning in my brain. But I had had like the best birthday ever. I was with my partner. We were in an Uber heading back to my place after like a really fun birthday celebration day. And I just remember this light bulb where I was like, it's me. I'm the woman. I'm I'm the woman who's like, look, I'm successful. I'm an executive. But listen, I was a shit show. And some days I still am. It just like occurred to me. I was like, I'm the woman I've been looking for. I'm the woman that's a hot mess, but like totally didn't give up on herself and is so badass because of my hot messiness. Like it just all cascaded into my mind at once that I had a story. I had the story that I had been looking for all along. And so that was the seed. That was the moment where I realized I wanted to start my own platform. I wanted to start my own thing. I wanted to talk about the real shit, like the real shitty ass shit that we deal with as women in a real, raw, unfiltered way. And I had that epiphany when I was 30, so that was in 2017, and it took about a year until that epiphany really coalesced into me starting my podcast and really wanting to share 
about my professional journey and talk about some of the real issues that we face as professional women, not the surface level issues, not like hee hee, but I'm so perfect, hee hee, like yes, one or two things that were hard for me, but I'm amazing and I have no issues. No, no more, I'm done with that bullshit. I was like, this podcast is going to be a place where I'm going to show you the hot ass mess that you don't get to see because this is what we need as women. This is what we need for our growth and our healing. We need real conversation. We need real support. We don't need this perfectionist bullshit. We are already perfectionists in our own mind. We need a real dialogue of what we are actually working through. And for me, so much of like the what we are actually working through piece comes down to the internal mindset, the confidence issues, the struggles like that is really what I wanted to talk about on this show, because for me, that was such a big part of my professional experience and it was just not being talked about anywhere. So relative to how big and prevalent it was for me personally, and then looking at the world around me and being like, there's no place where I see women talking about this. That drove me to start the podcast because my thought process was, okay, well, this is my platform, (laughs) so I can do whatever the heck I want on here. And to be honest, it was really scary. And I started this podcast while I was still in my corporate career. I eventually jumped from Pandora Media to the Walt Disney Company, and that was my first executive role. And then in 2021, I left my corporate career to take my podcast full time and start my coaching business. And so this podcast started in 2018 as a creative expression, as a way for me to speak truth to other women, and it evolved into my full time career. And that is why I do what I do. And that is why I'm so committed on this podcast to talking about the topics that are real, like the real stuff, not staying so surface level because that's not always helpful. And it also just comes like straight from my heart, like straight from my own story of really realizing that if I had found mindset work and if I had found supportive spaces earlier on in my career, I probably would have gotten unstuck a lot faster and suffered a lot less. Part of the reason that it took me so long to feel solid and strong and confident in my career is because I didn't have like right away knowledge or access to the type of support, the type of coaching, the type of help that I needed. It took me a lot of trial and error and experimentation to find that because it wasn't super prevalent around me. I wasn't seeing a lot of what I needed around me. And so my podcast is my way to offer that to other women. And I think what's really cool is that my journey of building confidence finding my voice, feeling like the most, like the strongest, most badass version of myself has continued beyond me leaving my corporate career. And in growing this podcast and starting my business, I've had yet another evolution towards a version of myself who is confident. I am as like the kindest to myself that I've ever been my whole life. I'm the most self-assured that I've ever been about what I can accomplish professionally. My mindset is the strongest, most confident it's ever been. Like I really have found an acceptance of myself, a love for myself, a connection with myself. And all of that underlies a lasting, deep sense of confidence that I am so proud to hold within me and so proud to possess and so proud to use as a guiding light and a guiding force to help me help other women find their version of that within themselves. So that is what I do. That is what this show is. That is my story. You know, I'm not perfect by any means, but I love who I've become and I love the certainty that I have that I can do what I want. Like I feel very free in my career. I I don't feel trapped. I don't feel stuck. I don't feel constrained. I feel spacious and like I can move and like I can play and like I can experiment and like I can succeed. And that's what I dreamed of feeling like in the early days of my career. I was like, oh, I just want to feel like those people who just like are just showing up and having fun and crushing it. And they're not like, all up in their heads and spinning and freaking out. And it's really cool to see that that 
desire that I had, that vision has come to life and come to fruition. And so if you're new here or if not, and you just wanted to hear more of my story, that is my story. And that is why I do this work. This podcast is really at the center of everything. It is the area of my business that I pour the most of myself into. And I try to often like share these personal stories and personal anecdotes in addition to the career advice, because I don't want you to have a false impression that I'm perfect and I never suffered and never had like really big struggles because I know that that is not going to help you in your growth. Like I said, I want to be that hot mess woman who's like, I freaking did it and I'm not perfect and I don't have to be perfect and I can still have and build the things that I want. And so that brings me to the end of this story. And if you are new here, I'll give you a lay of the land in terms of all of the different resources I have and all of the different ways that you can be a part of my work and a part of this community. So for starters, there are over 200 podcast episodes in this archive. So if you are newer here, then you have a lot of content available to consume. I also have a lot of high quality free resources that you can find in addition to the podcast. I will link in the show notes. If you go to jessguzzitcoaching.com slash free resources, you will see that I have an ebook to help you find an assertive voice. I have two free video courses, one called Speak Like a CEO, which is intended to help you communicate more like an executive so you can sound super impressive when you speak. I also have a video course on tackling imposter syndrome so that you can show up strong and effective in your role even if you feel plagued by imposter syndrome. And I have two ways that I currently support clients who want to work with me in a deeper capacity. I have my group program, The Art of Speaking Up Academy, which you can learn more about at justguzzitcoaching.com slash academy. And like I said, make sure to follow me on Instagram, watch my stories, and listen to all the March podcast episodes because I'm gonna be talking much more about The Art of Speaking Up Academy It's my group program. It's an intimate group where you get to get coached by me to grow your confidence and master the art of being an effective communicator. And you get to do it alongside women who have a lot in common with you and who have some of the same struggles and same goals and dreams that you have. And last but certainly not least, I have my private one-on-one coaching program where I support clients in a very hands-on one-on-one capacity. My private coaching is really intended for someone who wants deep work and someone who is ready for a big shift or a big transformation in their career. It is a six-month program. I like to do longer work with my clients because that is what I have seen to be most effective in creating meaningful change. And through my one-on-one coaching, I support you with your next big career goal. I have helped clients land a promotion within their existing company. I have helped clients job search into a promotion, you know, so like search for a role that is bigger than their current title, get a big raise and a big title bump as part of their job search. I have supported clients in pivoting to an entirely different career path and navigating that whole process, which can be really challenging. And I've also supported my clients in growing their confidence and growing their leadership skills and communication skills so that they feel like they have a super solid foundation in their professional life and that they are showing up at their highest level of performance. That is what I do in my one-on-one work. And pretty much in everything I do, whether it's the podcast, whether it's the Art of Speaking Up Academy, whether it's my one-on-one coaching, everything I do goes beyond the surface. So as a career coach, of course, I have lots of advice on tactics and steps and how-tos and you know advice that you can follow to get better results in your career. But what I have found is that on its own, the tactics, the advice, the steps are not enough. And what most people also need, what you probably also need is internal psychological support to help grow your mindset and help you learn to feel more confident from the inside out. 
Confidence is something that we can learn and grow. It is not fixed. It is not stagnant. Anyone can build it. And so pretty much everything I offer is not just about the tangible and the tactical outcome, but it's also about helping you grow into a more confident, badass version of yourself. That is the work that I do. I'm so honored to have you here, to have you listening, to have you be part of this community. Please come say hi to me. I will drop my Instagram handle in the show notes. It's at The Art of Speaking Up. You can also send me an email if you want to, jessica at theartofspeakingup.com. I pretty much reply to everything I get, and I will continue to do that until I physically can't. And I would love to hear from you. Like when people send me a message, Sometimes they're like, oh, like, I don't want to bother you, but blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, bother me? Like, you're making my day. Are you kidding? And I just want to remind you, I don't think a lot of people realize this, but my main platform is this podcast. And a podcast is one of the only content forms that exists that is a one-way dialogue. On podcasts, there's no likes, there's no comments, there's no DMs, right? Podcasting is one way. And that one way is from me to you, which means I don't hear from you unless you come to me and send me a message. And so I would love to hear from you because I don't get that level of interaction on a podcast platform. So you've got to hunt me down. You've got to send me an email. You've got to send me a message. It seriously makes my day because it reminds my brain like, oh, it's a real human. It's not just like this unidentified data statistic because again, like on a podcast app, you don't really see who's listening or who's there in the same way that you see on other platforms. So send me a message, say hi. I would love to hear from you. If you love this show, leave a rating and review because that is literally the only form of feedback that is possible on a podcast platform. And it will certainly make my day. It does every single time. Thank you for being here. I'm going to log off and I will catch you in the next March episode where you will not only get a regular full podcast episode, but you will also be getting a peek inside the Art of Speaking Up Academy. I will see you there. Bye.